Welcome to Heal Thyself. I am Jess Pfeffer, the founder of Real Connection Sofla, and I'm excited to share holistic experts, practitioners, and healers each week with you. They will be sharing their journeys into the health and wellness field and leaving you with tips, tools, and techniques for you to use in your own personal life. Today, we have Dr. Nikki Davis, psychologist at Therapeutic Oasis of the Palm Beaches and mindfulness faculty at Sacred Treehouse. Welcome, Nikki. Hi, Jess. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited for you to share with the audience a little bit about who you are and what you've been up to. So please introduce yourself and we'll go from there. I'm so excited to be here too. This is so fun. Um, So about me, gosh. um, I mean, you mentioned that I'm a psychologist and I teach mindfulness and really they're sort of two worlds that have collided. Um, I've been a psychologist Gosh, I've been licensed since 2007, so I've been doing this for a good chunk of time, and I've worked with pretty intense populations where people have really struggled with a lot of trauma um, and co-occurring addiction, um, other mental health stuff, and and I and I realized it at, at a point in my work that I felt like I wasn't having the impact with what I knew already. Um, the impact that I could or that my clients needed. And um, around that same time, I discovered mindfulness meditation um, and began to incorporate a mindfulness um, sort of, I wouldn't say practice, but a mindfulness perspective and some mindfulness techniques into my psychotherapeutic work and some somatic techniques into my psychotherapeutic work. And it's really made a monster difference. Thank you for sharing that. And and what exactly brought you on this path? Did you always know you wanted to work in the psychology field? And when mindfulness came to you, um, how did that affect your journey and what you do right now? Um, yeah, I mean, ever since I was a little girl, I, I knew I wanted to be a helper, right? And so, I mean, there's lots of ways to be helpers and healers. I remember telling my guidance counselor in elementary school, I lived in... Um, Sunny Isles in, in in Miami, and I went to Bay Harbor Elementary, which is called something else now. And um, her name was Sandy Baker Hoover. And I told um, Mrs. Hoover that I wanted to be a child psychiatrist. <laughs> I was probably eight, right? <laughs> so, you know, it's really been, I think, my path always. Um, and but mindfulness wasn't always a part of it. You know, I I you know trained psychodynamically and. And learned a little bit about cognitive behavioral therapy in graduate school um, up in the Northeast. And mindfulness came to me in, in, on my own my own path, my personal path of really meeting some personal challenges and struggling with recovering from trauma and addiction and my own depression and, and mental health stuff. So that's why I found mindfulness and realized how helpful it was and decided I wanted to integrate it into my work to share with others. Yeah, that's a, I don't want to say it's common or, you know, but it is true. Like a lot of times our own journey presents itself for our own lessons, but then the beautiful part is people like you that decide to share it with others. So I'm always grateful for that. And, you know, the term mindfulness and it's been coming up and, you know, someone who obviously teaches yoga and practices as well. um, I'm always kind of curious to know what, you know, your, so your take on it, but from all your understanding and your education, because you are trained in it, what is like a kind of a couple words or even a sentence to encompass what mindfulness is? I mean, you're right. It's totally pop culture now, which is great. 
you know, a, a lot of us, um, you know, have been sort of hoping for this for many years, that that would be something that would be, you know, sort of at the kitchen, ca- kitchen table kind of conversation, um, because it really is a transformative practice. I would say mindfulness is paying attention intentionally to the present moment. It's like, like with a purpose and John Kabat-Zinn talks about that, like being intentional, being purposeful with our attention to the right now, to what's happening in our, our direct experience of the present moment. So, you know, that could be thinking, that could be emotions, that could be sensations in the body um, or smells or tastes or sounds, Um, but it's about what's right here, right now. And bringing curiosity and non-judgment to it. I agree. I, I wrote that down. It's a nice little nugget that I, I want the listeners to to be able to look back and, and reflect on that because yeah. I think, you know, sometimes I even switch, I do the opposite. It's like, if we're not being mindful, we're being mindless. You right. know, we forget our keys or we're so much on the go or even the autopilot love. I love that example of, right. you know, you're driving home from work and then you get home and you're like, uh, you don't even remember how you got there, you know, right. so in autopilot, which some things it's good, right? We want to be able to be an autopilot for breathing or, you know, certain habits of just like getting our day to day, but driving and, and being in unsafe areas or or just how we show up in relationships. I think that the mindfulness component, um, unfortunately, sometimes is missed because we get so busy in that autopilot. Would you agree? I totally agree. In fact, you know, it's funny, I was talking to one of my clients this morning about this, you know, the language that you're using, like autopilot, you know, our our bodies are um, amazing in that there's so many systems functioning without our conscious awareness, right? There's the, you know, the cardiovascular system, you know, the brain and the central nervous system, the digestive system, they all work in tandem and they're happening without us having to really intervene or, or, or engage or do anything. And some of them, we actually can bring mindful awareness and attention to. So my point in saying that is autopilot, you're right, Jess, is great, right? Because like, we don't have to think about tying our shoes. We don't have to think about breathing or having our heartbeat. Um, we don't have to think about how we get home if we've been going to the same home many times again and again. But sometimes our bodies, because of trauma or because of another experience, um, our bodies get caught in an autopilot, if you will, quote unquote, that, that is actually ineffective, right? It, we, we are reacting to situations that aren't now habitually. And so mindfulness is actually life-saving to the degree that it helps us become aware. And what I talked to my client about this morning was the idea of biofeedback, right? Like tuning in to the heart rate when it's increasing in a situation that actually isn't a life-threatening situation. If we're tuning into the direct experience of the moment, right? The truth of the moment is that we're not being chased by a tiger, right? But the heart rate is saying that we are and that we're in a state of fight or flight, right? And the nervous system says, run, or ah, in some way. So noticing that, bringing mindful attention, intentional attention with curiosity and non-judgment to the heart rate, and then practicing techniques to bring it down so that we can effectively lean in 
to the situation as it is, is critical for people that struggle with mental health and especially PTSD or other types of trauma reactivity. Sure. Which we all do, right? One way or another. To some degree, yeah. To some degree. Little little T's, right? Or or ACEs, right? So it's so important and so helpful. Yeah, you mentioned about techniques. So I was going to bring him to my next question. Um, yeah. I know that you are a mindfulness faculty and you work with MBSR, mindfulness-based stress reduction. Can you talk a little bit about what that is and some of the um, practices, um, informal and formal, that you guys teach? I love MBSR. MBSR stands for mindfulness-based stress reduction. Um, in a in a nutshell, it's a, a course, if you will. Um, a really structured, manualized course that was developed by John Kabat-Zinn decades ago at UMass. And he designed this program with the intention of helping people to manage physical pain um, and emotional pain too. And it's been studied in thousands of trials over the years, over the decades, and has has been proven, you know, scientifically. It's an evidence-based program to help people really mitigate the emotional, physical, um, short and long-term effects of stress, either acute or chronic stress. So that's sort of the the sort of blurb about MBSR. It's eight weeks, one meeting a week, um, a day-long retreat, a group of people. And I mean, we took it, you took it with me, right? I mean, super fun, right? I mean, it can be really fun and can be intense at times too, right? I mean- it's a, it's, it's, it's a commitment. Sure. Well, yeah, but it, it is a structured program. And when you offer this program, is this program you're offering for others to use it for themselves as a way to, as you say, you know, adapt and have effective coping skills, or is this for other therapists and other practitioners to share with their clients? You know, I actually said that to one of, we started a new round um, just recently, a new MBSR class. And I said that to one of the the students in the class she was talking about sharing the practice um, at some point. And that was part of her intention in coming. And I said, you know, that I love that. You know, the more the merrier. There's, this is a practice that I think is essential to share and spread. Um, we want it to be like wildfire. And it's really got to be inside out, right? It's got to it's be a practice that comes from the inside. So my intention, and I hope other people who teach MBSR as well, is is to, to teach the participants how to embody the practice. And then from there, you know, trying to maintain the practice and then going on to maybe sharing with others. But at the get-go, it's really about the participant, right? It's not teaching them to teach. It's teaching them to, to be that way and to see the world through that lens. Sure, yeah. I was gonna say, that's why I took it because I wanted yeah. – more tools. Even when I did my yoga yoga teacher training about four years ago, although I have been teaching lately and I love it, it really was the intention was just for me to understand more the history and the practice and and all the yumminess that is you know more to it than just popping into a class. Um, but I think it's beautiful because I think once we have these tools and we're able to not even always like sometimes I don't even teach it or talk to people. I think the best part is just when you're doing it and you're living it and yes. you're able to influence when someone's like. Like, wow, dress, like I didn't see you get heated up or, you know, traffic or whatever, all the things that can kind of, I guess, you know, um, jerk at our little, uh, you know, indiscretions and uh, yeah. things that can spark our anger, however it's looked um, and being able to get in that place of like, all right, take a breath, you know, anchor in 
Um, mm -hmm. Be intentional, like be in the moment. Mm -hmm. And that is solely from my MBSR training and, you know, and diving into that. That is that and that and having that place of like, all right, hand on my belly, hand on my heart, because that's my go to when I'm realizing, you know, everything's kind of getting uh, too much or I'm overwhelmed, ah. overexcited or over sad. And that's my go-to. So can you speak a little bit about that too? Because that was something that I learned from MBSR, um, maybe a, a practice that, you know, is your favorite one to offer or even personally, there's one that you, you go to on your own. Gosh, um, you know, in the, in the course, there are several sort of standard formal practices that we incorporate, um, you know, the sort of formal mindfulness practices, a body scan, a sitting meditation focuses on the different sort of facets of the present moment, um, sort of multi-sensory experience of the present moment, um, walking meditation and movement, right? And when I took MBSR uh, as a participant the first time years ago, I, I already had a pretty, um, pretty significant, pretty consistent yoga practice, um, which I now might call mindful movement. It's sort of interchangeable, right? And I loved my yoga practice. I did primarily hatha and, and vinyasa, um, a little bit of yin. And that was my mindfulness, right? And so I, I loved that. And after taking MBSR, still loved the, the movement, the mindful movement, the bringing attention to the sensations in the body, to the state of the mind during a movement practice. And I still it still has a very special place in my heart. Um, I'm also a, um, a yoga teacher, so separate from MBSR, and it, it really is an incredible practice for me. And I've been able to cultivate um, a relationship with my body that's more compassionate and accepting, which has been a, a, a really big hurdle for me over the years. That said, in the years I've been practicing since I took MBSR, um, I really loved using the breath. And there's a thousand different, probably more um, breath techniques. People talk about breath work. It's none of that. It's, it's really just about using the breath as an anchor of awareness for myself. If I find that I've lo gotten lost in thoughts um, or other um, distress in some way, maybe other sensations like physical pain, I can use the anchor as some the 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 breath as um, an anchor for my attention. Again, intentionally shifting attention to the breath as it is, not even necessarily changing it. So that's become my go-to now, and it might sound too simple to even be a thing, and it really is a thing, right? To just be with the body as it breathes. Well, I think sometimes simple is better. I, I've brought it up before probably on other interviews, but it's like the Cheesecake Factory menu, I call it. When oh, my gosh. Like there's too many things, too many options. And, you know, and obviously being in this field, both of us, there just becomes, yeah, overwhelming of Voice what to do. Right. Yeah, overload, exactly. But having this one thing that, of course, it works. And if it doesn't work for a while, then you, then you change it, right? It's like anything, you get to a plateau. But having this, this one go-to, like my hand on my belly, my hand, in my heart um, because the opposite happens. It's like, okay, did I journal? Did I do my tapping? Did I breathe? Like there's just becomes this overwhelming thing. And I think the mindfulness practice is just that, like just be in it, yeah. you know, even if it's uncomfortable, being comfortable yeah. in the uncomfortable yeah. and like using that anchor 
Um, right. So it sounds like that's part of your self-care. Is there anything else that you have or a daily routine or non-negotiables that are just for Nikki? You know, I, I really, something that I really love to do is practice mindful eating. You know, I, again, like I said, I've had a sort of challenging relationship with my body and um, body image and nutrition over the years. And so, you know, bringing intentional attention, again, to use the language, right? Bringing intentional attention to what I'm eating, to um, how I'm eating, to where the food came from, a la Thich Nhat Hanh, right? He has a, um, um, some really sweet books and writings about how to eat and um, relating to food with gratitude. Um, you know, so, so practicing that kind of mindful eating from the moment of prep or contemplating what I'm going to eat to straight through the meal, to me, it, it, it makes it a robust experience. It allows me to tune into what my body is needing in an intuitive way. And um, I find that it's really changed my relationship, not just with food, but with myself. So that's a powerful one. Um, another one that I've been um, practicing for a long time is my gratitude practice. And again, lots of people talk about gratitude. Um, you know, I don't keep a gratitude journal anymore. I did that for a while. I don't get up every morning and list three things that I'm grateful for. Um, I'm sort of a circular thinker. I'm not particularly linear or structured. And every day at every turn, I look at the world through the lens of gratitude. You know, how can I find appreciation for this moment? How can I find um, something to be grateful for right now? I'm grateful that I know you and that I know your family and that I have a chance to share some of the wisdom that I've gleaned over the years with you and your audience. Like, this is great and it makes me happy, right? And then I notice, you know, a little tingling in my body and, and a little smile on my face and maybe, you know, little tears of joy in my eyes for having this opportunity and this honor. And that's what I do all day is, you know, grateful for all the things. So, you know, whether it's tapping into the breath, not changing it, but tuning in when I need somewhere to anchor my attention and awareness in a moment of distress or mindfully eating so that I can cultivate a healthy relationship with food and my body and myself or leaning into gratitude, looking at the world. And my friend Kathy talks about rosy colored glasses, right? You know, Kathy. And, and so my glasses are, are, you know, gratitude glasses, just a lens of gratefulness and appreciation for everything. And it might sound hokey, but I, I think it, it makes my life, all the, all the difficulties easier to, to manage. Well, not hokey at all. And because I know you and I, <laughs> I see the light in your eyes when you speak it. And I, I think it works. The, yeah, it works. I mean, that's, Yay. you know, there's so many, you know, even like AA terms, what is it? It works if you work it, right? Amen, like, sister. yeah, it's totally. just, it's just the totally. thought behind it and then, and then practicing it. And I know one of the things I learned from you guys in the MBSR training, and I definitely wanted to bring up was um, the beginner's mind. Yeah, And I really love that tool. And I, I didn't know the term for it, but I mm -hmm. know like I'll start meditating on Wednesday, Thursday, and then like I'll mm -hmm. fall off or I'll be eating super clean. And then I'll have like, kind of like a processed, you know, GF vegan brownie. And then mm -hmm. instead of getting upset or like, kind of like, <laughs> oh, I messed up. I'm like, oh, well, there's always Monday, you know, yeah. and then I restart on Monday and I just, it sounds like that's an actual thing. I didn't make it up. Um, and it's yeah. a beginner's mind. And I, I think that's just one of the many gems 
that I've picked up from MBSR. So can you tell us a little bit about what that looks like, how often you have these programming and, and if someone wanted to learn more about you or how to reach you, um, can you share that with us, please? Yeah. So you know, my hope is to teach MBSR as long as I'm able to speak and move, right? I mean, this is really something that I, I love. I mean, I love hearing you talk about about what you took away from it. I don't think you're alone in having these like aha moments and and maybe even that can be relationship or life changing. Um, so my hope is to be teaching it as long as I can. We try to offer it, I don't want to say ongoing, but like in a series, you know, like again and again. So like it's a, it's eight weeks, depending on where that end of that eight weeks falls, we may take, you know, a few weeks or a month off if there's holidays there. But there's usually a class either running or coming up soon. Um, sometimes we even offer two at a time so that there's a variety of um, times that it's available, whether it's day or evening or weekend. Um, so the best way to find out about that is to go to sacredtreehouse.com um, and check the events or the, you know, the programming that's happening at, at that time that you're curious. If you have any other questions or thoughts, people can reach out um, to our office as well. Um, they can reach me at Dr. Nikki at sacredtreehouse.com um, and ask any questions. Perfect. Well, that will definitely be in the episode details. Uh, thank you so much, Nikki, for joining us. Yeah. And for all those out there listening, if you like this episode and you want to hear more like them, please subscribe, like, follow, and share. Thank you, everyone. Until next time, I'm wishing you all good health, lots of love, and happiness. Bye, Nikki. Bye. Thanks, Jazz.